The Psalms of Ascent, Numbers 120 through 134, were prayers likely sung by pilgrims as they journeyed to Jerusalem and celebrated their feasts there. On Monday, we read of the journey to the temple, and today we have a collection that recalls the first journey to Israel, the Exodus, and the prayers that they sung for God's continued blessings on his city. Our collection today opens in Psalm 129, verses 1 through 2, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, Greatly have they afflicted from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The days of Israel's youth were their first days out of Egypt. In Jeremiah 2, 2, God recalls, I remember the devotion of your youth. Your love is a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. After long years of suffering at the hands of the Egyptians, God had cut the cords of the wicked, the bonds they had bound Israel with. In response to the incredible suffering that they faced, the psalmist prays in verses 5 through 8, May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves his arms. Nor do those who pass by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Let them be dried grass that can never take root. Let them be ashamed of themselves and their actions. Let no one greet them in the name of the Lord or bless them in his name. Psalm 129 is a reminder that life with God is not a life without suffering, but it is a life with hope that one day he's going to break all the cords of oppression and put down his enemies. Now, in saying that, it might be difficult for a Christian today to pray this psalm because didn't Jesus tell us to pray for our enemy's benefit? We should remember that God wants to set all things right. Ideally, that means reconciliation with his enemies. But some of those enemies are going to choose to continually reject him and his offers of grace. And so what else can God do to correct this creation but remove them from it? Our God is not just a gracious God. He is also a just God who answers the pleas of the oppressed by destroying his enemies so thoroughly that they can never trouble his people again. Now, lest we think too highly of ourselves as we are cursing our enemies, Psalm 130 turns the tables and has us reflect on our own sin and wickedness. The psalmist acknowledges their own sin in verse 3, saying, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? God doesn't save the poor and oppressed because they're just inherently good people or deserve more than they have. Everyone is guilty before God, and nobody can stand innocent before him on their own merit. God did not save Israel because they were just these fantastic people. In Deuteronomy, he actually says they're quite stubborn. Instead, God saves people because of who he is. According to Psalm 130, verse 4, But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. The fear is inspired by the realization that we don't deserve our salvation. Instead, we depend exclusively on God's grace. And so instead of looking at ourselves... The psalmist encourage us to keep our eyes open for God. In verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Psalm 130 reminds us of the great divide between us and God, but it also reminds us of the great goodness of God and the mercy that he shows us. And so, whatever fear the psalmist has about their own sins and their inability to remove it, It's all dashed away in Psalm 131. We might be afraid that our sins are too many, too great, too horrible, so that God won't forgive us. But when God does arrive, the psalmist feels just like a cozy little baby. Psalm 131, verse 2, 
But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. With this level of comfort, there's no need to worry or think about anything. So the psalmist doesn't. They can simply rely on the promises of God as written about in Psalm 132. Psalm 132 is the longest of our selection today, and it reflects on the promise God had made to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. There, David attempted to build a house for God, but in turn, God simply swears to establish David's descendants on the throne forever. Those who are in Jerusalem, they can rest easy because God says in verse 14, This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. And this leads to our last two psalms of celebration, celebrating the community of God's people who live in peace under God's protection. This is the place of his resting, and this is the place where we can find peace. The peace that God provides for his people is like luxurious oil and the refreshing dew of the morning. And so in the face of all that God has done, there's nothing left to do but celebrate. As we journey on through life, we should remember that we're heading towards God and his home, free from oppression and sin, dwelling in peace with God and our brothers. So let's focus on what's ahead, not looking back, but continue our pilgrim journey onward.